Hey, Forge family. Recall last week's podcast, number five of the series on spiritual formation, where we clarified the difference between introspection and self-reflection. Now, the former, introspection, is done using your mind and emotions as a filter and as a standard. It is, and it, it, it is invariably negative. So I urged us to say, let's stop doing that. And the latter of that pair, self-reflection, is done with the presence of God and the Scripture with Holy Spirit. And we ask them to act in the role of helping us discern and hear from the Lord. And we want to know how our actions and thoughts line up with the Father. Self-reflection is or leads immediately to positive input from God. I urged you all to lay some questions before the Lord about your last hours, about whether the kingdom was being advanced. You know, questions like, Lord, what, what do you think of my thoughts and my choices? So, what happened when you laid those questions before the Lord? What was sensed in your spirit? Did you come away grateful and motivated? All right, let's pray. Now, Holy Spirit, you've been present in our practices of seeking you in new ways. Please come and help us make space for you in the middle of our days. We need the quiet answers and the encouragement that you offer. We love you, Lord. Amen. All right, Forge family, this weekend, podcast number six, I want to introduce some prayer forms that you may already be using negatively. And let the Lord flip the focus from you to the kingdom of God, to what some of the needs are of those people around you, to peace, to help us be corrected and encouraged on the journey. So let's read together. I'm going to give you a second to find it. Luke 18, verses 9 to 14. Okay, Jesus is in, he's telling parables. And in the, verse 9 is the introduction here. He says, Jesus, he also told this parable to certain ones who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Okay? And here comes the parable. Okay? Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax gatherer. The Pharisee stood and was praying thus to himself. God, I thank thee that I'm not like other people. Swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this publican, this, this tax gatherer. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. And on and on. Verse 13 says, But the tax gatherer stood some distance away. He was unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, 
God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled, and he who humbles himself shall be exalted. All right, quickly, let's just look at this little parable here. This is not the point of the podcast today, but just to help you get a grip grip on it. Let it get a grip on you. So two men go up to the temple. They don't go together, but they arrive in the courts of the temple to pray. And standing apart from one another, okay, one of them is a Pharisee. Okay, the Pharisee were, were sort of the religious party, the legalists in Israel. They kept the law. To be a Pharisee, you had to be 30, you had to be married, and you had to be fully instructed in the first five books of the Scripture, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, which Hebrew Scripture calls the Torah, and then, secondly, the Mishnah, which is the commentary by the rabbis on the Torah, and then, lastly, the rabbinical teachings that span the Psalms, the you know history, the writings of history, the Psalms, and the prophets. So they were highly educated men, but they perceived themselves as, quote, better than you, unquote. Now, the other one who arrives in the temple to pray is a tax gatherer. And in the New Testament, there are two examples of these Jews who had been hired by Rome to collect Rome's taxes. First is Levi, whose whose Hebrew name, okay, was Matthew. Excuse me, his, his Hebrew name was Levi, but the, he is the one who wrote the Gospel of Matthew. He was a tax gatherer. And the second is Zacchaeus. Remember, Jesus is walking through Jericho and he locks eyes with this little man up in a tree, who climbed up there so he could not have to look at the back of somebody's shoulders when Jesus walks by. And Jesus said, Zacchaeus, get down. I'm coming to your house for supper today. And it's into those homes that Jesus went. Now these tax collectors, tax gatherers in the Roman system, the Rome did not care what was charged. Rome just wanted to make sure it got its cut. And that system was full of graft and and threat uh, because people were forced sometimes to pay a lot more than what Rome was asking of them. And that, and then that amount, the extra amount, was skimmed off the top. And they were cheated by the tax gatherers. And when the Pharisees turned to Jesus and said, Why are you spending time in the homes of these unclean, un- un- even unbelieving people? <clears throat> Jesus' response was, I've come to seek and to save the lost. So here the Pharisee sees himself in comparison to other men. And, and there's a great line in there, in the verse 11, he says, or halfway through the verse 11, he, he says, Pharisee stands there and he was praying to himself. He was savoring the flow of those words over his lips and how he shaped them and formed them and delivered them into the air. The tax gatherer doesn't compare himself to other men. He compares himself to God. And he will not even raise his eyes from the floor, but strikes himself on the chest and says, 
O Lord, have mercy on me, the sinner. O God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Now, Forge family, the Western Church Fathers, early on, early on, um, settled on this phrase in the back end of verse 13. God, be merciful to me, the sinner. And they, they framed it in, in, in Greek, and it comes out as Kyrie eleison. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord, have mercy. And the Kyrie is, is part of high church. It is chanted, it is sung, it is reflected on, it's meditated on. <clears throat> Those of you who have had some exposure to chant, you may know the tunes. You know the Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. Or and and it, there's infinite variations on that, and it goes on and rolls, and and it was designed to just help men and women focus themselves on, Lord, I need mercy. Likewise, in the Eastern Church, there were church fathers who grasped this same phrase out of Luke 18, verse 11, verse 13, excuse me, the end of verse 13, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And they set that phrase into a, a group of teachings on how to pray without ceasing. Now, in the East, this is known, this phrase, Lord have mercy on me, is known as the Jesus prayer. Paul, in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, uses just that exhortation, if you will. It's the exhortation that says, pray without ceasing. Okay? Now, now please, would you just pause and think quickly? about what you say aloud or quietly to yourself, your car, at work, walking down the hall, after a meeting, going into a meeting, whatever it is, and things like, oh, I'm late again. This is just so frustrating. I can't believe this traffic. Ah, I dropped the ball. I'm not prepared. And so over and over, we rehearse our sense of need and failure. Or, or we rehearse our sense of success that we savor and we repeat our victories to ourselves. Sometimes under our breath, like, way to go, man. Outstanding. Okay. So back to the Jesus prayer of the Eastern Church. Now, there's a little volume called The Way of the Pilgrim that has come over to English from 18th century Russian. Several authors are credited with its writing, but it may have been, it was simply compiled and edited and printed. We don't know. Nevertheless, it is a story of a, a family man. Uh, he's not wealthy. He's, 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 um, he's probably a serf in the time of the Tsars. And he loses his wife and child to death 
and, and he is left in anguish. Now, over time, he just wanders. He becomes a mendicant pilgrim. He begs as he goes, and he wanders from monastery to monastery, and there he hears the Jesus prayer. And he hears accounts that there are starets, you know, the, the spiritual fathers who, who can teach him how to pray without ceasing. And, and as he travels, his grief is transformed. And he begins to travel on seeking for men who can teach him how to pray without ceasing using the Jesus prayer. Now, let's go back to Apostle Paul's exhortation on praying when we fill our mouth and our mind with grumbles or troubles or self-exaltation. Guess who we end up worshiping? You know, if it's fear or pride that flow out of us, that is worship of the evil one. Because that those are things that he rejoices in. Okay, in contrast, if our days are filled with simple, corrective prayers, for example, thank you, Lord, for helping me miss that accident right there. Okay, or thank you, Lord. My, my check arrived in time. Thank you, Lord. You know, that that was a great meeting. Or Lord, may deep need, my deep needs cry out for your deeper supply. Or something even as simple as, come, Holy Spirit. Okay? These are breath prayers. Okay? And in you pray, come, Holy Spirit. You know, in and out. And yes, other religions use breath prayers too. But their focus is on the body, or on enlightenment, or calling on or working of power and control, and on and on. You know, what I'm suggesting is breath prayers that are scriptural to play back to the Lord your thanks, your gratitude, your acknowledgement of his lordship. The result of quietly stopping the grumbles and taking up a near-silent, under-your-breath repetition of truth that will quiet your heart and humble you before him. Now, I'm not teaching the use of Scripture as a mantra, as a self-focusing inward thing. Instead, these breath prayers that are drawn from Scripture will focus us on the fact that old things have passed away. Behold, all things are made new. The meeting you just walked out of and went, oh, that was a bad one. That's gone. Old things are passed away. Yes, you'll have to deal with it. Yes, you'll have to do some corrective work. Yes, maybe you weren't prepared. Get prepared next time. Okay, But that meeting is past. That accident that almost happened is past. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are made new. And then second, you focus on what God has for you right now. And then lastly, okay, you focus on what he has for you to do that will need preparation. 
there's a ministry opportunity, but I can't go in there without having studied. Okay? There's an opportunity to serve. I need to get enough sleep. There's, there's, other, there's other things that the Lord says, this is your destiny. How are you going to arrive at that? Okay, Things that will need preparation. Now let's look again at 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Okay? I think verse 17 here is the meat in the middle of a sandwich. Okay? Pray without ceasing is set right in the middle. Okay? And it can flow from verse 16, which says, Rejoice always. Okay? If I'm rejoicing always, I will pray without ceasing. Okay? Or if I'm praying without ceasing, I will arrive at rejoicing. It works both ways. And on the other side of the bun, verse 18, it says, In everything give thanks. Now, when we do that, as we give thanks, we begin to flow with prayer back to the Father, even if it begins a little rough, where you say, Oh, Lord, thank you for being here in the mess that I've made. Thank you for your ways out of here. And then later, you can look back at that and go, Wow, look what I learned. Thank you, Lord. Never want to do that again. But look at the result. Look at the profit that came from that. Okay? Set between rejoicing and thanking is prayer without ceasing. And it can be activated and sustained by breath prayers that express our longing for God. Ask Him for a simple way to begin. It will arrest the flow of fear and grumbling and fill your mouth with your cry to Him, your gratefulness to Him, and your thanks for His provision and preservation. Thanks for His presence. Now, this last week, I was in a grocery store. And I need to tell you, in my own house, I'm probably chief of sinners when it comes to grumbling. Uh, and, and sharp comments out of my mouth. I'm not proud about that. That's something my wife has pointed out, and I'm working on it. Uh, she's pointed that out for 43 years, and I'm working on it. And I was, I was in a grocery store, and my back hurt. I mean, I, there was a hitch in my get-along. I, I, just, I was just out of kilter. And I, I was having to arch my back and stand straight to sort of keep the, keep the pain level down a little bit. And, um, and that, just the day before, my wife Janice had, had had a surgery, and she had gone in, and the surgeon changed his mind. He'd informed her, instructed her, and, 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 the, and the nurse had said, oh, you know, this is what you do to get ready for the surgery. And then he changed from a laparoscopic surgery for this uh, little repair to a full incision. And it was a big incision, and there was significant pain, and it wasn't at all what she expected. And she had some needs. And I had arrived in the grocery store with a list, and I realized the stuff I was shopping for was expensive. And so with those three things running around in me, uh, I arrived at the checkout counter. And the checkout lady has been trained to say, hey, how are you doing today? 
And my automatic response every time, without fail, is I'm blessed. Now, this is a, t a small, gray-headed lady with a sweet face and steel eyes. And she said, I don't think your face knows that. And I went, ugh, you're right. Got me. So um, I'm on the way. I'm learning. But that was a situation where I needed to, to pause in the aisle of the grocery store and go, all right, Lord, be merciful to me. I'm not in a good place right now. Thank you, Lord. My wife has come through the surgery. Thank you, Lord, you know, for, for this. And thank you, Lord, that I have enough money to pay for this bill. Thank, you know, to be filled with thanks, etc. And I didn't do that. Okay? So um, this is my prayer, and I ask you to enter into this with me, because it really is all of us. Let's pray together. Lord, we need new skills, new prayers to turn away from the persistent cares of this world or of lauding our own successes. Please help us. We want thanks and joy to flow out. And we want our face to come into agreement. Not just rehearsing truth with a frown, Lord, but we want a countenance that spills your love and blessing on others. Please give us new breath prayers that will refocus and recenter us so we come at life rejoicing always, praying without ceasing, and giving thanks. Amen. All right, Forge family. I love you. We'll see you soon.